Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Scotting Report. First of all, I want to say thank you to all my listeners. It really means a lot to hear all of you who have reached out to me, from my friends who have showed me support, to people from my past who have reached out to me, to the many listeners who continue to listen. Um, you know, that's the biggest surprise. How many listeners we've already you know, been able to grab and it's amazing. Uh, we've been able to reach so many people. It's been so cool to like check out the stats involved, especially with the, you know, as a guy who loves numbers, I've just been like absolutely loving all of this. It's been really cool. So just a big thank you to all of you guys. Um, I know we took a little bit of a break here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being patient and for enjoying the podcast and for embarking on this journey with me. You know, we're nothing without listeners. So again, thanks so much. You know, I want to address, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, it's 100% my fault. In addition to this podcast, I'm extremely busy with my life. Um, simply put, I'm chasing dreams. So I am involved in a couple companies. I am involved in sports in a lot of ways. And I'm just trying to manage everything all at once. And for a while, I got a little sick and now the podcast really got put on the back burner. So again, I'm really sorry about all that, but I'm back. We are back. I'm very excited to uh, to get back into the swing of things and to bring you guys a great group of guests who are about to be on the next several episodes. Today on the podcast, this is very exciting. This is our technically our first NFL player, Lakeem Williams. He's such a great young man. Uh, I was so lucky to get to know him through my, one of my jobs, and I met him almost three years ago, back in September of 2009, right before his senior season at Syracuse. With this being my first NFL guest, and having watched every pick of last year's draft, I just want to do a quick shout out to all the guys who I've been able to meet who have turned pro this year. Uh, the draft, you know, back in in April was very exciting. I knew a ton of guys who got drafted, and I know a ton more who got um, undrafted, signed, and now they're competing for spots on the team. So I'm really proud of these guys. I'm very excited to see how they, uh, you know, how they do, how they fare. It's uh, it's a very challenging situation that they're in, but I've got a lot of faith, and I'm very excited to watch it. So, um, you know, just quick shout outs to to my guys. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to give you the whole list. You know, I want to keep a little bit private. But especially those of you who know, um, who you know, continue to listen and say, you know, we enjoy the podcast. Got to get me on there. Yada yada. So, just uh, congratulations to all you guys. Um, I'd love to list them all, but I'll just do a, a special shout out to a few of you guys: uh, Leon, Chig, Chase, Brian, Jalen, Isaiah, Trey, Damari, Tariq, Khalil, Jordan, Marcus, Chance, Jamari. Devin, like, guys, do your thing, all right? Uh, Chig is already seeing huge numbers out in Tennessee in their uh, mini camps and their training. You know, he's getting a lot of buzz, could be a very big, impactful player, and uh, I'm excited to see how he does. Boys, you know who you are. You, you know what you got to do. Good luck, fellas. I hope you continue to have great camps and do great with your teams and flourish into incredible careers, all right? So for my listeners, thank you again for your patience. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Really amazing. I was so pumped to get Lakeem on uh, when he chose to do our podcast to let us share his story with all of you. So we recorded this a long time ago, but now we're finally releasing it. And, um, you know, hope you enjoy it. All right. 
Thanks a lot. Joining us today on the podcast is our very first NFL guest, Lakeem Williams from the Seattle Seahawks. Lakeem, thanks so much for being here. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. All right, we're going to hop right into it. Starting in the beginning, you know, out of high school, you were a three-year captain. You even got team MVP at one point, but then you started your college career at the JUCO level or junior college. Lakeem, can you tell us a little bit about your experience there and what junior college did for you on your journey? I went to junior college because I felt like uh, there were some offers out there that I needed to grab. So, you know, going to commit certain schools at a high school, it really wasn't what I was going to go do. So uh, the whole junior college route was really just me being able to show myself and my athletic ability to, you know, everyone else in the country. And uh, from there, it was really a stepping stone to really get my name out there and to get to you know, let everybody know who I am and what I'm about to do. Because uh, that, that's pretty much started everything. So uh, shout out to Butte College because uh, they really they took care of me when I was out there. Can you share a little bit about what the environment was like there? Like a lot of people don't really understand what a junior college atmosphere really is all about. Can you explain like what were the facilities like? What was the environment? When I was at Butte, you know, it was JUCO, man. We ain't really had all that, but we, we did what we had to do. But back when I was there, we was eating peanut butter and jellies, doing what we had to do to get out of there, you know. So uh, so it, it's good to see that they, they progress and they change and that they're doing it how, like, the scholarship JUCOs are. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a great school. Military vibe to it. But when you get there, it's all about hard work. And if you gonna, you want to win, you know, that's where you go. You go to Butte. Well, that's great, and I believe that a lot of their um, upgrades are due to the success that the team has had over the years, so you're definitely a big part of that. Now, I noticed when I got to look at your film and your stats there that you actually played a lot of offense, too. You were doing a little bit of wildcat offense. They put you, slotted you in the uh, in the quarterback position, and you definitely got your fair share of uh, rushing opportunities in that in that slot. Can you kind of share a little bit about um, where that experience comes from and why that was such a natural fit for you on this team? Oh, uh, I mean, nothing. It's just everyday football to me because, you know, I played running back in high school. So, you know, I always felt like if you put the, the, the ball was safe in my hands, you know, either offense or defense. So it, it didn't really matter when they came to me and it was like, hey, do you want to come play the Wildcat quarterback? I was like, yeah, y'all must have just watched my high school highlight tape because that's what I did. So it was, it was nothing, bro. I just took it and I was like, all right, cool, let's go. It was cool. Natural, absolutely. Yeah. And for the record, you know, just a little bit of hype, you average 7.6 yards <laughs> per carry at the JUCO level. That is such a crazy number and really impressive. So you have a lot of success at Butte College, and obviously that puts your name out there. You can do it on offense. You can clearly do it on defense. You had monster seasons. Now, transitioning and getting out of the JUCO level is not easy. There are tons and tons of great athletes who are fighting for these very limited amount of scholarships at the collegiate level, especially in D1 or even D2 or 3. How did you separate yourself and make that transition in order to get out of junior college level and go into a D1 program such as Syracuse? I had a whole plan back, like, 2012, like, coming into high school I knew what I was going to do I just had to do what I had to do to get there you know so just through the different routes I had to take already the end game was already you know get to division one 
the whole angle was get to the NFL, but at that point it was like, all right, you gotta do this to, to get to college, so do what you gotta do. It didn't matter where I was at. I just knew I was gonna do everything I needed to do. How often would you talk to like your coaching staff about these are my goals and how are we gonna accomplish them together so that I can go and achieve great things after my time here at Butte College is over? Because you had nine offers coming out of junior college, which is extremely rare. And I want to know, what did you do? Like, what were some of the actual steps that really took you to the next level? Um, yeah, I think about that. Because I don't think me and my coaches really sat down and had to you know, go about that. We kind of just knew what we were going to do. Uh, I kind of, I put pride and joy in like working out, training hard. So it wasn't really like you had to come to me and really tell me like, hey, make sure you get stronger here. Make sure you do that. Um, on field is different. Of course, if you got to tell me like, hey, make sure you have your eyes on this or do that, that's different. But as far as like getting my body right and mentally, physically preparing myself, I didn't really have to sit down with nobody. I come from a come from FSP up in Bellevue. Good, good training facility. So, you know, we we get everything done there. So. I didn't really have to prepare. It was it was cool. I just knew what I had to do. Oh, FSP. I'm glad you brought them up. Yeah, no doubt a lot of talent comes out of your area. I know Jacob Eason and Buddha Baker came from that exact same facility that you came out of. So you finally decided to go to Syracuse after a couple of years at Butte. And I'm wondering, what was it about Syracuse that led you to decide to go there? Man, it's, it's, a, it's a lot to it. I had a... Uh... A lot of family that from New York, you know, so I've been in New York. I, I spent a lot of time out there, years, many years out there. And uh, when I was at my junior college, I had a quarterback, Clayton Welch. He, the year we, you know, we won a championship and all that junior college. And then he went to Syracuse. And then I had one more season at, at Butte. So I was at Butte and all the offers were coming in. He just kept calling me like, hey, just come take the visit, come take the visit come take the visit and you know I won with him so I'm like okay I can win with this man so I took the visit and then I just fell in love with the school the atmosphere and I just you see I'm still in orange I just went to Syracuse oh yeah it's great that you're repping the orange so in the beginning of your career at Syracuse in your junior season it's interesting because you actually statistically it looks like you struggle because you know, you technically you logged eight games, but you really only had four tackles, which indicates that you weren't such a big part of the scheme or the system and that you were basically coming in and filling in gaps and filling in time for other players um, on the team. You were, you know, really maybe that was an adjustment period. You were learning the system. But then what was really impressive is you take that experience and you build on it in such a profound way. You go from a junior season of having four tackles to a senior season of having 110 tackles, which is third in the ACC. You were completely dominant on defense. Every team had to scheme for you, and you still managed to rack up multiple games with over 10 tackles. Now, here's the question. How do you go from having just four tackles in your junior season to only a year later now having 110 tackles being one of the most impactful players in the entire ACC and having one of the best defensive seasons in Syracuse history? Oh, man, I just, I, I knew what I had to do. It was just uh, maturity. I had, to, I had to mature. I had to get my head right. Uh, you know, coming from Juco, being able to just get on the field, not really have to know the plays. You could just play football. To coming to Syracuse, and it's more of a, 
if you if you can't tell me what you're going to do, we're not going to put you out there. So I had to learn the game. That's incredible. So once you got through that learning curve, you obviously you go in and you dominate. Now, what I do want to bring up are some of the running backs that you had to face during that season, because that specific season, the ACC running back pool was completely loaded. Here's a quick list of some of the guys that you personally faced that season. Cam Akers at FSU, Travis Etienne at Clemson, A.J. Dillon was at Boston College, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, who both start now in the NFL, they were at UNC, DJ Dallas was at Miami, you guys played Maryland that same season, who had Anthony McFarland, and also Kenneth Walker, who's about to be in the next NFL draft, probably going to be one of the first couple of running backs taken off the board. He was at Wake Forest that season. In that season, sure, we know your stats, you dominated, but did any of those guys intimidate you in the slightest as maybe like a matchup nightmare before you had to go face them? I mean, shout out to all them players because they all good, but I wouldn't consider anybody a, a matchup nightmare. But I will say uh, going, in, going into a game, you know, you definitely be aware of, you know, Cam Akers seeing what he can do you know, in the run game, out in the field. And I'll definitely say uh, just ETN overall because you don't know how they're going to use him for the week. Even though you watch film, you still, they got about, I say given any offense, there's about five to seven plays where you don't know what's going to happen. You kind of just going off of them. So I'll say them two running backs for sure, but the rest, are, you know, they're all good. So Love that energy. Yeah. I also say Cam, though, because I know uh, specifically then he was playing quarterback, doing similar what I would do at my junior college. He was doing it against us at Syracuse. So I was like, all right. It was was cool playing against him because, you know, how he's doing it right now. So I was like, all right, cool. That makes sense with uh, ETN. That team was completely stacked, that Clemson team. Obviously, they had Trevor Lawrence. They had tons of great receivers who are now in the NFL. Uh, They were stacked at tight end. They were loaded at running back and etm was just the star of the backfield this episode of the scotting report is sponsored by nil empire are you a college athlete looking for brand partnerships did you know that nil partnerships have already produced over 10 million dollars in partnerships to athletes all over the united states let nil empire strategize develop and grow your social media platform while finding branding partnerships and deals that keep you focused on your game as a client of nil empire You'll get your own branding strategist to help guide you along your journey and help develop and grow your social media presence. NIL Empire's branding strategists take away all the work from the modern student athlete. From brand outreach, marketing strategy, to negotiation. Go to NILEmpire.com to learn more and tell them the scouting report sent you for a 10% discount. So you have this terrific season, which I keep harping on. You then get invited to the Hula Bowl, and then... Uh, you know, I keep bringing it up that you had such a great season because you end up going undrafted despite all of that. So obviously everyone plans on going drafted. Everyone believes in themselves in a way that they think, I'm going to be a pick, team's going to take a chance on me. And that's great, but there just aren't enough spots. So what I wanted to do is ask you quickly about your mentality and what was it like for you going into the draft? What were your expectations? And Before you answer it, I just want to set a little timetable for the fans. The Hula Bowl that you got invited to, that was in February. In March, everything gets shut down because that's when COVID began. And then in April, the NFL draft still happens. So that's the time frame. So again, 
What were your expectations going into the 2020 NFL draft? Yeah, I'm st- I was still like the next man. I was still waiting on that phone call, you know, even without the pro day. I was like, hey, I did everything I could do. I felt like I was going to sneak in there somewhere, you know, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. So when it didn't go my way, I just knew, like, hey, it's just back to the grind, back to the stepping stone. I haven't had the ability, you know, I haven't had the pro day, so they didn't, you know, they didn't have a chance to see me. You know, once I, as I told my agents at the time and my parents, I was like, I'm going to keep grinding because once they see me, then I'll know what's going to go on. Until then, I can't, I can't, I can't give up because that's never in my name. So I just knew what I was going to do. Okay. So the draft does not go your way, but then you bring up an amazing point, which is not giving up. And it is so crucial for your journey because first of all, what people don't understand is if you don't get drafted and then that same day you don't become an undrafted signed player, it is almost impossible to make it onto an NFL team. There is every year after day three of the draft, which is rounds five through seven, there'll be an extra maybe 100 players or so who were not drafted, but they get signed immediately within a couple of hours of the draft being over. They get signed to the roster as a chance to make the team. If you don't make it in that single sweep of players who go, if you don't get signed that day, it is near impossible to actually make it onto an NFL roster. Somehow, Lakeem, you fall into that category. You did not get drafted. You did not get signed on day three as an undrafted player. So not only do you not give up, but you start a fitness Instagram. You hold yourself to an incredibly high standard. You get yourself into peak physical shape. My question is, how much time passed between when you went undrafted to when you get your first NFL opportunity? Uh, I mean, let me think. Because the, the whole COVID year went by, right? And I was like, all right, cool. Just was in the lab, tucked away. And then the second year started, Syracuse was like, all right, we're going to have our pro day. And then nationally, I was like, you can come back if you want to. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. And then. I mean, right after that, I say, what, that August, I was in Seattle. Wow. So over a year and a half. See, that's incredible. About a year and a half. Year and so the nitty gritty of this conversation is how much was that weighing on you? Because you're watching over a season go by, you're seeing another draft come up, people who are very talented are getting cut from NFL teams left and right, and you're still not getting your opportunity I know that you're a very motivated individual, but how did you manage to stay resilient? And what was going through your mind when all of this time was passing while you were not getting your chance? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really, nah, it wasn't weighing on me a lot because I got a lot of friends that play in the NFL and I come from, like like I said, in FSP, like we got generations of talent, like generations of NFL players in there. So I just get to talking to them and I know plenty of dudes that they told me, like, hey, man, I got – it took me a year until I got my first workout. I got cut, like, seven times until I got picked up. So I was just like, okay, I might just have to have one of these stories. So I just knew in the back of my head, like, if I just keep training, keep working out, my agent's going to give me a workout. All I needed was the workout. Like, the whole COVID year, I was like, if I can get a workout, I'll make a team. When Syracuse said we're going to have a pro day, I was like, okay, it's, it's over with. My NFL career is going to start because I already knew, like – 
as soon as I get to the party, I'm going to do everything I need to do. And then from there on, we're going to be able to go. So it, it was just having a date, being able to look like, okay, in four months, I'll be in Syracuse for this pro day. And then from there on, everything's going to be good. Okay, so you finally have your pro day at Syracuse. Seattle then gives you an opportunity to play. So just quickly, you know, you're from Seattle. Seattle gives you an opportunity. What was it like putting on that jersey for the first time? It was a blessing, man. It was everything you could could hope for, think for, and imagine. Like, every, like, because I have little letters in myself uh, that my mom kept in me saying I want to play in the NFL when I was probably, like, somewhere in elementary. I don't remember the grade. But, you know, she had those characters and she would send me a picture of it when I was in training camp. And she was like, you're finally doing it. And then, like, another thing, being able to play for Seattle, home team, you know, I got a lot more fans in the stadium than than others. So I just, you know, that felt good, too. What was that feeling like playing in front of all your friends and family for the first time at the pro level? Oh, yeah, it was great. Because, like, the first home game, uh, I, had, I had a lot. So many people out there. So many people. It was just amazing. It was cool. Felt like another college game, but it was NFL. So just for the timeline, you then go to New Orleans for a little while, and you do a brief spell with them. Can you tell us a little bit about your time in New Orleans? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I got uh, just got called down for a workout, went down there, did what I had to do. I always stay in shape. Shout out to FSB again, because, you know, always, always ready to go. And then they picked me up, and then, you know, just down there on the team doing what I had to do on the practice squad. And then um, got let go from there. And then had a couple workouts. I was in Indianapolis for the workout. I was in Denver. And then Seattle brought me back. And then been back on Seattle to the end of the season. And then re-signed with them for next season. So now you've been with practice squads with Seattle and with New Orleans. What is the general vibe in terms of um, your expectations and what the team expects out of you? Is it we are preparing you for a specific role or it's just next man up mentality or are you scheming for specific things? What does the day-to-day include that gets you prepared to eventually take the next leap? Um, so I can't really speak for every other team, but uh, the Seahawks and the Saints is always more like, it's more like a, your next step. I mean, something goes down, you know, you need to know what's going on. So, um, so I actually like that because when you're out there getting the reps, you're not just out there like, okay, yeah, let me just try to, you know, get out here. It's like, nah, because I'm learning the plays. It's low-key kind of similar to the same set of calls that we're going to be running this week. So if I show them that I'm doing good, they might, you know, be on some, hey, we can shoot them up for this game just in case. So so now you're, you're on Seattle, and I'm wondering, what do you expect to see a year from now, what kind of results do you hope to achieve on the field, off the field, while you're playing this upcoming season? A uh, year from now, I just see myself, um, just a popular name in the NFL. Everybody knows who I am. They know what I'm coming with. And they just know I'm just going to be out there with my hair on fire, playing football, having fun. Lakeem, I've got no doubt in my mind that you will be a household name. I think the... The story that you're sharing with us today, it really has, it shows everybody that you've been able to stay so driven, so focused, and so mentally strong throughout all of these setbacks throughout your career. So I'm so excited to see what you go out and accomplish um, as you continue your career with the NFL. Now, um, as a fan of the game 
And, you know, I, I hear players, they're always saying, you know, oh, I used to look up to this guy or I like to model my game after this guy. Are there any names that come to mind specifically that you've used along the way to influence your game and maybe model your game after a little bit? Man, yeah. Um, yeah, and no, because I've, I've always wanted to play in the NFL, but I didn't, like, pride myself into it until really I was in high school. So and then I didn't really start, like, watching everybody's highlight tapes and everything until I got into junior college. So, so yeah, and no. But um, all, I like how, like, um, Devin White. Mm-hmm. Team Devin, for sure. And it's always dudes that are kind of similar to my body frame. So I always like them the most. Devin White, Devin Bush. I love how they play. Uh, of course, how Bobby, I think Bobby's number one. Mm-hmm. Bobby always. Wagner, yep. Uh, Demario Davis, he's great. He's up there, too. Uh, yeah, it's just a lot of dudes I like to watch. I watch all of them. Um, but any of the, the kind of six-foot, six-one linebackers, I kind of key into them the most. This question's really just for fun. Who's your dream tackle? And what I mean by that is who's the one guy you want to take down behind the backfield? I want to get Aaron Rodgers just because he played at Butte College. So, so if I if I can get a sack on him, I want to you know get in his face and be like, yeah, I'll see you at Butte one day. Something like that. Oh, please take down Rodgers so that I can make a nice little TikTok with this audio over it. That'd be fun. Well, Lakeem, that really wraps everything up here. You know, thanks so much for jumping on and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it. You're welcome back anytime. And go have a great season, you know. I'm very proud of what you've been able to accomplish so far. And I'm only that much more excited to see what happens next. So good luck out there. And again, thanks for hopping on. Oh, yeah, thank you. No, thank you for having me. This podcast is hosted and produced by Scott Eisenstadt and co-produced by Central Park Sound. Audio production, editing, and theme song by Jordan Schiff. Make sure to rate and review this episode. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and follow The Scotting Report wherever you listen to podcasts.